five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. That was um, Blue Oyster Cults. That song will be 50 years old in three years. My God. So that would be the equivalent of... Let's go back to 1926. I don't want to necessarily date myself here, but at the risk of doing so, I will. That would be the equivalent of listening to Blue Oyster Cult in 1976. And 50 years before that, musically, it was a very, very different world. And don't quote me on this, but um, well, here's, a, here's an interesting date. On August 5th in 1926 in New York, the Warner Brothers Vitaphone system is seen by audiences for the first time in the movie Don Juan starring John Barrymore. Vitaphone was a sound film system used for feature films and nearly 1,000 short subjects made by Warner Brothers and its sister studio, First National, from 1926 to 1931. Vitaphone was the last major analog sound-on-disc system and the only one that was widely used and commercially viable. So they're just figuring shit out in 1926, theoretically. trying to think of who was around was robert johnson around or lead belly or i'm just trying to figure out what the musical rainy musical influences were in 1926 i guess you could listen to those cylinders on the smithsonian folkways recordings the harry smith recordings but the difference the 50-year difference between 1976 and 2026 and 1976 and 1926 is pretty significant for sure um so welcome to the show some of you are coming over from astral weather which i just finished and um you know i alluded to the fact that um you know we lost somebody over the weekend um and so i'm going to talk about that today and try to expand it into a larger view due to the circumstances of um, our dear friend's passing. 
And I'm going to do my best not to get choked up here um, as we kind of go through this and the sequence of events, which had a very strange uh, impact on me, which I will talk about. I don't want to make it about me, but I feel like there was something going on that I was um, experiencing and I'll talk about. It's very strange in relation to the passing of uh, King Pat, who is no longer in the third dimension with us. And Queen Lisa, uh, who has been in chat quite often, maybe here today, I don't know. She's, I'm sure, quite busy dealing with the details of the passing of her husband. Uh, but Pat has been in here before, and um, you know, I've spent time with him on the phone, as clients, we've talked, um, you know, and he was a really good dude. And um, I think it's really sad when the human race loses somebody that's a good dude who's uh, a healer, uh, worked his ass off. Uh, was a bit of an iconoclast, cut against the grain, was not a follower. We need people like that. It's always strange to see this happen and then observe the flotsam and jetsam of the human experience that is flowing down the river sticks of our time uh, that are theoretically here and theoretically functional. And we lose somebody who is uh, a real asset to our community, both offline and online. It's, it's, a, it's one of those kind of strange injustices that um, the so-called universe um, Deals us, right? And you look around and you say, well, and let's play the game here that the person I'm referring to is theoretically still alive in circulation, right? Like, you know, Hunter Biden's still around, theoretically. Just insert somebody. If you don't, if you don't think he's here, Hunter Biden, just insert somebody who is here. Justin Trudeau. In the meantime, we we lose somebody like like Pat. Doesn't seem fair, honestly. But that's from our vantage point, and it's very hard to know what's fair and what's not fair. We have a limited view of perception. So I'll try to stay out of that debate in my head. Why some people who seem worthy of being here and can really help us are taken away. Meanwhile, the devils of the world uh, repli replicate and populate, you know, our inverted existence. So I'm going to talk about that today and try to make it a bigger topic of conversation uh, because I think Pat would probably like it to go in that direction. And when I get into the details of what I'm about to share with you, 
you'll see why it's uh, not hard to expand the subject matter to, to include social, political, and medical conditions and begin to connect some dots and um, come to some perhaps um, startling and um, kind of numbing conclusions. So let's, I'm going to do my best to work through it here and um, share what I know and uh, tell you the strange side of the story from my own experience. Uh, but before I do, uh, let me get in a little true hemp science love. And of course, you know, I tell you, if I was in a grieving mode, I would be, I would be tapping the, the CBD to help me process the grief. So here we go. Um, these are some of the best hemp products you'll have, you'll experience uh, on the internet. I talked about my experience in Las Vegas, which I'll get into a bit more um, as a result of this story. But I had a, um, a, a THC gummy while I was there for reasons that I'll get into. Um, but I also compared and contrasted uh, the THC gummy with the moon dust gummy. And I got to say, you know, the moon dust gummy, especially if you uh, are feeling some, I usually only do a half of a moon dust gummy. And I think they're coming to uh, true hemp science. Boy, that's enough. One time I did a full moon dust gummy and I'll use the term that Chris likes to use. I was lifted. That's when I went to the airport to pick up my mother. And it was, you know, it was a very interesting experience. I had to navigate all that holiday traffic. I did just fine. In fact, I found a really um, flowing kind of solution. So, um, you know, are they the same? No, they're not the same. But that said, I think you're going to get some effects from the moon dust gummies that you won't get with a THC gummy. This is just my take. And that's going to be some of the long-term therapeutic events with resetting your system via CBD. But there's plenty of other products here. Um, you've got the uh, sleep gummies, got water-soluble oils, you've got stuff for pets. I mean, there's all kinds of really great products at truehempscience.com. All you got to do is go to truehempscience.com forward slash ref forward slash 23, truehempscience.com forward slash ref forward slash 23. $100 and more gets you free goodies, but you have to type in 15MINS. That's one five M I N S. Um, when it comes to getting those goodies, because that's the that's the secret code, right? If you do that, it's a three sixty win for everyone. Chris, you, me, um, we all, you know, we all get something out of it, right? Which is really the kind of the best solution for life in general, right? So, anyway. Um, Let's get into the bulk of the show, and let me see if I can uh, talk through some of these events um, that have occurred over the last um, 72 hours. 
So we got uh, DJ MC, what's going on, Michael? Punk Satani Phil, checking in. Here they put a fence up around the Capitol building in D.C. last night. Yes, no fence on the border, but they'll border the Capitol and uh, put a fence there. Yep. Morning, fantastic. How are you? Good to see you. Beth Berry, double B's in the house. The big cat lady is here. Julie Sunshine. Uh, Sony, the classy one. She's here. Hi, Noreen. Nice to see you here. Noreen, a.k.a. Mazumink. There's my man, Steve Thor at the door. He was at the uh, um, Aquarian High Council yesterday. I saw him in the audience. Hope you enjoyed it, Steve. Was this a sudden death? Yes. Nicholas Grimm, what's going on, Nicholas? Good to see you. JJ. Le Cantus Reine de Blanc. She's here with us. Um, let's see. Who else do we have? He says, I've got a tattoo that says Reaper. There you go. Sonically, you're in you're you're locked in. Sonically and visually. Hucklebuck 411 greetings back. Uh, this is very sad. I totally agree. Yeah. See mm-hmm. Pines. Good morning. Great tune. Blue Oyster Cult decided to become album-oriented friendly. They conquered the FM airwaves with Don't Fear the Reaper. Uh, Christine is here. Good morning, Christine. Good to see you. BOC had a feeling this might be the tune today. You know, I was trying to figure out where to go with it. And... Carry on my wayward son and dust in the wind came to mind. But I like Blue Oyster Cult better. Uh, Marie NYC, morning. Mark M is here. What's going on, Mark? Kabuki Theater. Hey, Bo. Good morning. Yeah, I'll give you an update on on Lisa. I've been uh, talking to her um, a little bit. One AI, timeless tune. It is timeless. Scribe of Persia. Hi, Scribe of Persia. Good to see you here. Always great seeing you in uh, chat on YouTube. Uh, Orlando W. Oh, yeah. Career of Evil and Secret Tree. You know, we played that last week. I, I actually bought the uh, uh, the Martin Popoff book, Imaginos, on the uh, on the plane, we were waiting to take off for Vegas. I bought it. So I'm looking forward to getting that. Lisa W., that was that was uh, on Mark M.'s recommendation. Lisa W., what's going on, Lisa? Good morning. Tondar is here. Digital has no depth or soul. It's so true. So true, Bo. You know, I remember clearly in the 80s listening to FM radio and listening to songs that I'd heard on record and then listening to them on the FM radio, I think we had, um, what was it? KITS or something like that in the Bay area, all modern rock shit, you know? And I would listen to the song and I'm like, yeah, I love this song, 
but it's not hitting me, right? The song is not hitting me. I'm not, it's not registering with my, you know, biomagnetic field. And then I realized, oh yeah, this is all digital. This is in the late eighties around maybe 87, 88. And they're all making this big switch to digital and, um, you know, that's eventually what radio became. You'd have all these preloaded tracks. You would play a track and then uh, the virtual station manager would then select five tracks that you could play that would sort of match that track either in tempo um, or artist relation, or if they were pushing a track that had uh, just, you know, come into the station, right. They wanted to get something fresh, that whole kind of, um, uh, process took over. And I, I remember the first time I actually encountered it when I was in a, a communications class in junior college and it was a radio communications class. We, we had to go visit um, a radio station and kind of see what they were doing and, um, you know, report back and, and my girlfriend was in my class at that time. And her station was this radio station in Santa Clara. And it was the first radio station, FM station to go digital. So we drove down there and we toured the facility and I looked at it. And I said, this fucking sucks. <laughs> right. Cause I was like an, a deep left of the dial guy before left of the dial was a thing. And so this fucking sucks. This is going to kill radio. And she loved it. And I knew that that relationship was not going to last. It was like, that was not going to last. Oh, isn't this great? I know it's fucking dehumanizing. That's what it is. We're not long for this world. <laughs> That's a true story. And then I went to, uh, and I didn't really know anything about KPFA at the time. And I went to KPFA and KPFA back in the day um, was different than the KPFA that exists today. It was very anarchic. Yeah, it was lefty. And yeah, there was specialized programming. Like they had um, a show dedicated to like lesbian art and authors and culture called Lesby Friends, right? I mean, but it was just like one block of programming and look you know there's a community of those people those people there's a community of lesbian women in the east bay and it's like yeah well why not you know that's their we're a community radio station well why don't we represent them i don't really have a problem with that they had punk rock stuff they had experimental stuff they had hardcore political stuff they had you know kind of metaphysical stuff and it was in this old building and and it was like a complete 180 from this slick digital facility in Santa Clara. And like that really typified the great divide in our relationship. Me going to KPFA and her going to, you know, K-Slick in, in Santa Clara. But you're absolutely right. I and mean, once the digital took over, man, it just it just took the soul out of out of music. So um the 70s were the best. I'm surprised. There are any drugs left for these guys? 
70s were great. Uh, let's see. Yeah, release is good. Hey, Jeff Rosansky of Jeff Rosen Videos is here. Good to see you over here, Jeff. Always appreciate your support. He is with us in other dimensions. Well, wait till I tell you this story. Um, I'm still dealing with it. Uh, Steve's got a link. Steve Lutra. Hi, Steve. Harry Bowie, those who leave Mark uh, is a life well lived. I would agree with that, Harriet. Uh, we need his soul fighting on the other side. You know, Jeff, that's a wonderful thought. That's a wonderful thought. Uh, let's see. Death is not absolute dissolution, but rather a transitional necessity to reach our next dimension destination. I like that scribe. Uh, Linus, check it in. Bach flower remedies. User 13, condolences to Pat's family. Uh, speaking of death, our resident Scorpio is in the house. Jacqueline, what's going on, JMP? Good to see you here. Uh, East. Janet Landers, our gal from Texas. She's here today. Hi, Janet. Uh, Third Eye Marge. Hi, Third Eye. We got a great chat here today. Wonderful chat. Um, Orlando W. KPFK, KPFA, sister stations. And they all went into the woke bucket. For sure. Okay. Um, let me Let me talk about what happened for me and why it's really shocking for me. So Saturday I'm in Las Vegas and uh, you know, I'm going to be on this, uh, this panel with Daniel Jamario and Eric Francis and um, Laura Lee Scaife. So I want to make sure that, you know, I represented well. I want to get a haircut. You can tell that I was successful in my journey. Um, so, you know, I look around, get on the phone, like, okay, well, where am I? Don't have a car. You know, where can I get a haircut? Where can I walk to? So I found this place that was about a mile away. I could walk to it. So I got up Saturday morning and I walked to this place, which isn't, in the arts district of Los Angeles, which is another way of saying like the dump district of sorry, Las Vegas, not Los Angeles, the dump district of Las Vegas. Las Vegas is weird, man. It is a weird, weird place. I met some really nice people there. We had um, uh, a visit with Marty uh, who was watching Friday show. And she said, hey, uh, attend bar over at uh, the Triple George. Come by and see me. So we did. And so we actually went from, you know, 40 to 3D and met somebody, super nice person, a longtime Vegas resident, you know, survived the mask wars. And, you, you know, it, just, it was a cool, cool moment. The people in Las Vegas were very friendly. We, we went and ate at this restaurant called the Carson Kitchen. 
which was really good. Uh, the owner of the place, um, we sat at the, the kitchen table. Like, so we watched everything be prepared and, you know, we, uh, we ordered some steak and we got this really killer, like black rice risotto, oxtail risotto with, uh, with cheese. It was delicious. And then he just brought out a dish of their, their macaroni and cheese and we don't, we're not really gluten people, but you know, when somebody brings you a free dish like that, you have to eat it. It was delicious. So we met some really nice people in Las Vegas, very friendly. And then we're driving back in the, the Uber and I drive by this uh, billboard and I don't know what the fuck this thing was about, but it was one of those billboards that have it's digital. So it's got multiple kind of messages. Like maybe there's six people that rent space and they flash, you know, one billboard message and it's another one. They keep repeating these things. And it said, um, Jeffrey Epstein didn't hang himself and neither did this billboard. Like what the fuck, you know, where, what is that about? It's just so weird. Right. I'm like, man, we are in a weird place. Then on the other side of town, this arts district, another one of these rotating billboards and then they've got like a thing for PETA and uh, animals. So to me, Vegas is this weird city of simulation and extremes. Very, very strange place. But it, we didn't have an unpleasant time. However, the events I'm about to share with you are very strange. And I had a moment, a pretty dark moment when I was there. So I go off and I go to this place to get my haircut uh, in the arts district um, and it's closed. So I walk a mile, which is, it is what it is. Right. And it's closed. I'm like, fuck, you guys said you'd be open. Why aren't you open? So now I'm like, well, what am I going to do? So I walk back to uh, the hotel, but along the way I decide, well, let me play a slot machine. And I had a hunch based on the astrology that I'd be lucky. And I was, I, I won a $200 slot. It took me, what, uh, $26 and win it. It was an interesting experience because I had my first like $20 bill. Yet I had to pick the right machine. Um, and uh, it, it, I had to pick the right machine. For me, and I knew what it was. It had to do with sevens, because sevens sevens one of my numbers. And I usually pick a machine on the uh, on the end when I do it. And it's an old school machine, right? They got these new fucking machines that are like you know video video games or for the video game generation. I'm tactile, right? I'm a pinball guy, so. Usually my, my strategy is play one play, one play, win some, and then go up and do max plays. And yeah, I was doing okay. I think it was up maybe 12 bucks or something like that. And I hit three sevens, but they didn't pay because I didn't have a max play. I'm like, oh, shit. So then I ran through the first 20. I'm like, okay, I got another 20 here. Let me do this. Let me just go full max play. And I believe it was on um, the sixth pull that I hit three sevens. 
So my, my intuition and my instincts were good and right and paid off. Right. So now I'm like, okay, now I'm playing with house money. What do I want to do? Well, I'd like to get a massage because my back was hurting me. So I made an appointment. This, you wouldn't, you wouldn't know from this place that on the inside, it was kind of, it was legit, right? Legit uh, massage place called paradise. And it's on paradise Avenue or something it was by the Sahara. So I get up and I, I walk over there and I didn't mention that they were chemtrailing this shit out of the sky in Vegas. I mean, I haven't seen so many chemtrails in years. They do it here, not that much. This was terrible. So I go out and I walk to um, the massage parlor. I hate to use the word massage parlor. It sounds it's not. It's just, you know, it's a place run by, you know, Chinese entrepreneurs. Okay. No happy ending. So it's a legit place. I read the reviews. By the time I get there, I'm winded, which is kind of unusual, right? I'm winded. By the way, I have asthma, and um, every now and then it does act up, right? So I get there, and, you know, I'm wondering what's going on here. Is it the asthma? I don't know what's happening, but I'm kind of winded. It's not too bad. But then I'm rushed from the waiter these are these are super efficient like you know chinese people running the business like i was early and they said there you go go in that room right and so i go in there and it happens so quickly and i don't do really well with um like the face cup right i don't really like it it feels really claustrophobic to me and so I, I stuck, I'm face down and all of a sudden I start hyperventilating and I'm like, fuck, you know, this is really intense. And then I go into like this cold sweat and I'm like, man, I'm really, I actually, I started to freak out a little bit and I'm with this woman who's going to give me the massage and she doesn't speak a lick of English, right? She doesn't really understand, but she knows that I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not right. So she brings me some water. And I lay down on my back and said, I can't lay on my stomach right now. So she, you know, does her best to kind of get in and work. I mean, man, bless her, bless her heart. And, you know, 90 minutes later, I'm out of there. Well, it was an hour and a half or I think, yeah, hour and a half. So I leave and um, I walk back to the hotel. Um, and I knew that this could be like a long, this could possibly be a long night. So that's when I stopped and there was a place called Relief. And I walked in, I'm like, what is, you know, what is going on here? So I looked at the edible section and they had a whole thing on gummies. So that's my gummy story. So I stopped there. I go back to the uh, hotel um, and then I do the, you know, the high council stuff. No problem. Easy. You know, I'm feeling fine. Um, then we went out to dinner, a place called the Golden Steer. We got a seat uh, at the bar. And this is a place that is, you, you can't get a reservation there. It is the archetypal classic Vegas steakhouse um, frequented and made famous by Frank Sinatra, the mob, right? Everybody goes there. They go there for the atmosphere. They go there for the food. And the food was great, great food. So we sat at the bar. We had a good time at the bar. Um, so, you know, it was a very pleasant experience. 
And then we go back to the hotel and kind of hanging out, laying down at about maybe 10 o'clock at night, 10.30, I started to kind of nod off a little bit. And then I woke up and my breathing was weird, really weird. And that commenced an entire night of me feeling like I was going to die. That's what I felt. I mean, I couldn't catch my breath. I had all these issues, you know, and when that happens, like it sends weird signals to your head, right? And all of a sudden your body goes into cortisol overdrive and it was really, really intense, very intense. And then it would kind of abate and I would go back to bed. And then as soon as I would go to sleep, it would happen again. This went on until about three in the morning. It was troubling. It was very troubling. And, you know, we're having this discussion. Should you go to the hospital? You know, I don't, I'm not going to the hospital. I can't, not here. It's not going to happen. Right. And I don't know where it's all going. You know, I really don't, you know, all I'm thinking about, I managed to get about two hours sleep. We get up, we, we, um, trundle off to the airport. I'm just thinking, this is going to be a journey through hell. I can tell you that right now, this is going to be a journey through fucking hell and going through the Vegas airport. And, you know, I, I usually I bring a, a suitcase that rolls, but I got this new cool bag that my mom gave me for Christmas. So I loaded that up and I got to haul it around. I was like, Oh shit. Okay. Anyway, we got to the gate. Everything is pretty copacetic. I managed to uh, get the gummies through where they had the sniffing dogs, 100% dog sniffing at McCarran Airport. Um, and then, you know, that's when I took the gummy for the plane. And I was just like, it was perfect. And it really helped me uh, relax so I could get some sleep on the plane. You know, we just time traveled, right? So, but I was not in a good mood. Um, it was really troubling. I thought a lot about death. Um, I thought about how, you know, if I was ready to die, it was a big question. Are you ready to die? And, and the answer to that unequivocally was no, I was not ready to die on a couple of different levels. Like, I just like, well, I got things that I feel like I have to do still. So no, I'm not ready. And then you know, the fearing the reaper part came up. I'm like, yeah, I got to resolve this so that when this time comes, like, you know, it's a transition really. And so I had to take a good look in the mirror and say to myself, no, you're not ready to die on a couple of different levels. It was very um, eye-opening to say the least. And I would say both, I don't want to use the word negative. I'd say it's all positive. But it was really uh, something extraordinary, out of the ordinary. So I'm, I'm in a kind of a grumpy mood. Um, I'm just like, man, this is really kind of sucks, right? I get back to the place here, and I was laying in bed, and I got a text from Lisa. And she said, I have some terrible news so 
So she called me and we talked and she told me about Pat. And here's where it gets really weird. Pat was having the same symptoms that I was having at the same time. That was really weird. When she described his symptoms, I'm like, that was me Saturday night in Las Vegas. But unfortunately for Pat, his symptoms did not abate and they became worse. They were chronic. He was rushed off to a hospital. There they found two massive blood clots, one in each lung. Um, they were able to remove one, but the second blood clot was the one that, that caused the damage. And um, you know, between the lung and his heart, you know, it, it ended Pat's life. So we'll talk about the blood clot piece in a bit. That's the collateral damage piece. And when I heard it, when she told me the details of what happened to him, it, it, it was, it was bizarre. I was experiencing something very similar to Pat in real time. And I didn't know what was going on. I, I still don't know what's, what's going on. I mean, I could attribute it to the chemtrails. I could attribute it to uh, my asthma acting up. Right. I mean, all those things make a certain amount of sense. Um, and then the weird conditions at the, at the massage parlor, Vegas in general, the high strange, who knows what kind of frequencies are beaming into Vegas to people. Cause you know, that's like a fucking, you know, full course banquet for these people pick up on energies there. So it could be all those things. But the fact of the matter was, is I was having this experience the same time he was, and his experience was fatal. And it shocked me. So you know, I guess the upside for, for Pat is that his um, end in this domain happened quickly. You know, if you've ever been around people um, that have been really sick for long periods of time, it's very difficult. It's difficult on the person. It's difficult on the people around them, right? It drains resources. It drains emotions. Uh, it drains you physically. Right. If there's any blessing in death, it is a quick passing. And I, and I, I know this sounds very kind of mechanistic and kind of Virgo moonish, but it's true. That's where the 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 blessing is. The prolonged suffering is very difficult. I saw my father waste away for six months. It was hard. And I know, you know, there are people here. Uh, in chat or listening to this have had very similar experiences and are having them right now. So Pat was a chiropractor and he worked on people, right? Close proximity. And uh, I spoke with Lisa and the majority of their patients were vaxxed double, triple vaxxed, sometimes quadruple. And 
in their world, they couldn't afford to, um, they couldn't afford to stop. They couldn't afford to turn away people because they were vaccinated, right? They didn't have the luxury, not only that, but they probably got in trouble for doing that discrimination. But I guess if you have a private business, you can make the rules. I don't want to get into the weeds of the legality of it, but let's just say that economically uh, it was an imperative that they saw everyone that they could vaxxed or otherwise. So Pat was on the front lines of dealing with people who had, you know, triple jabbed. So what does that mean? Was he the recipient of collateral damage? Is, is he somebody that took on shedding? Of course, the fact checkers will tell you there's no such thing. And why do some people who are around people that have been vaxxed have no symptoms? And other people, perhaps like Pat, do. That's another question entirely, which I don't want to get into right now. I have my own ideas about it, but they're more speculative, and, and I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. Um, but one could make a case, if this is true, that this was the thing that impacted him. And if that's true, remember, I'm saying if, I'm not saying that it is, but if that is true, then we are surrounded by killing machines, which is a stark realization that even those of us who fought tooth and nail to not succumb to the psychological conditioning, the psychological warfare that was being used against us in order to submit to an unproven, untested, experimental therapy that even those of us who take care of ourselves, and Pat was somebody who took care of himself. He worked out, he's a healer. And he took pretty good care of himself. Even that was not enough. Now, you can make a case that, well, it's when it's your time, it's your time. That's possible, right? Like there's a, there's a, a, there's a date on a book somewhere with your name on it. Maybe that's just what it was. And this is how it all cohered. But then again, maybe there are variables in that date. I don't know the answer to that. Well, maybe I do a little bit, a little bit. I have a story. I'm not going to tell it now. Um, I don't want to get off track. So this is the hard part, right? I mean, we got a healer, somebody who helps other people, people who were not healthy, somebody who did take care of himself. And then all of a sudden, died suddenly. 
and you know, I don't, I don't mean to just bundle him up and put him into a statistical category, but he's become a statistic now. Pat is in the died suddenly category. And, um, It's, you know, it was a shock really. And, it, and, and so I had a, I had a session with him probably about a year ago, maybe a little bit longer. And he told me about his story and pretty remarkable story actually. Um, and he issued becoming a, a doctor for becoming a, uh, chiropractor there are a lot of things that happened along the way and he had to drop out of college and so um we had you know he wanted to get out of chiropractic he wanted to get out of the um the close proximity stuff so he wanted to study functional medicine and particularly um as it relates to things like infusions and um we looked at that and kind of did the astrological math on his chart and it looked really good. And um, I hooked him up with uh, a person in uh, Austin who does that for a living. And she made a career change and went from doing one thing to another thing. And she's got this big bustling infusion clinic, right? And he started to mentor with her because that's where he was going. He was, literally in this lifetime working on making a transition out of chiropractic because of the exact same thing that he was concerned about the exact same thing so he had you know knowledge he had forethought he was attempting to carve out a new niche for himself because he was a healer pat was a virgo He's a healer and he was working on that path. And along the way, you know, he got, you know, he, he got jumped by the spike proteins. That's the hard part, right? This is somebody who's conscious. He's aware. He understands that he needs to make a change. He's working towards that change. And while he's working towards the change, uh, you know, he 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 runs into, I know the, the the Truman Show wall, right? That's it. That's the end of the set. So, as far as Lisa goes, she's got all these details that she has to deal with. You know, she's got medical bills now. Um, her and Pat are a lot like the rest of us, right? They're you know, kind of doing the best to be inside of the system, but not be, you know, attached to the system. So, you know, they weren't part of Obamacare. A lot of us aren't. So they didn't have now all of a sudden this built in, um, you know, fail safe to take care of the medical bills that are going to be there now. So, you know, I talked to Lisa yesterday briefly on text and, you know, she's got to deal with his practice. She's got to deal with 
uh, their house. I mean, there's a lot of, lot of moving parts and um, we'll find out, you know, if she needs some uh, financial assistance to, you know, deal with some of this stuff. And if she does, we'll do a give fun go and we'll see if we can um, help her out. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's a, you know, it's, it's really surreal. Like it's a really, really surreal thing because it hits so many levels, right? I mean, we talk about this stuff, you know, we talk about Damar Hamlin or we talk about, you know, fill in the blank, right? Some newscaster that keels over. And we talk about this stuff. And then all of a sudden, you know, one degree of separation, it happens. And now it's really in our face that, you know, somebody who has been a part of this experience died suddenly. That's a really, really, uh, intense thing to wrap your head around. And so what do we do about this? Right? I mean, how do we how do we deal with this? Because it's going to get worse. This is somebody who lived a clean life but ex but put himself at risk due to the fact that number 1, they're a healer and number 2, Financially, that was the world they were linked to. And I don't, and I am not um, dissing any of those things, right? So then we look at, and this is to try to make this a higher kind of, um, that's interesting. I just had a thought in my head. Um, to make this kind of a, a, a bigger picture, right? A bigger picture. What are we going to do? How do we deal with the fact that, you know, even with all of our steadfast um, refusal to consent, it seems like there's something else afoot. And so we look at what's going on with Biden dropping the mandate or the Emergency you know, Authorization Act, May 11th. What is that about? Well, maybe they got what they wanted. I think there was, what, 31 or 32% of the population of America got vaccinated. It's a third. You got one third of America walking around if they if they got the gene juice. Some didn't. Some some got the, the saline. And I don't know how much of that thirty one or thirty two percent that got distributed. Um, but let's say out of that thirty one or thirty two percent let's say 10%, we'll cut it in half, 15%. Say 15% got the gene juice. Now you got 15% of the population scattered and extruding 
uh, whatever they extrude, right? So they become, you know, for all intents and purposes, like uh, medical Manchurian candidates, really. I remember having a discussion with a good friend of mine a couple months ago. Shit, maybe about a year ago. It's probably about a year now. And this is a guy who's an amazing massage therapist. I mean, that's how he made his bones. Just, you know, great. And he said, I'm not working on anybody anymore. I'm done. And the, the reason why is the, he had the revelation that probably would not be in his best interest to do that. So he made a transition and he started to, uh, he's a great editor. So he works with people that um, do pretty high level manuscripts or uh, thesis. And he helps them with, with all that. He's very good at it. So he was able to make a, a transition and shift. And Pat was working on it, right? He knew. It wasn't as if he was just blind to the ways of this um, this operation. He just ran out of time. And the weird part was this strange sympathetic thing that I had going on in Las Vegas. It was really weird. The other thing that came up last week uh, was that I had two light bulbs go out like, like that, right? Flashing on like, wow. One is interesting too. It's like, what's going on here? Sudden flash of light and gone, right? So I replaced the bulbs. Life is just really weird. Sometimes you get these strange kinds of, um, you know, synchronistic, synchronistic moments. And I came back and I got a, a phone call. I got message left from the woman who took care of my cats. And um, she said, was I supposed to feed the fawn? I'm like what? There's a, she said, well, there's a fawn that's hanging out uh, on your property. And sure enough, there is, right? So now I got this fawn that's just hanging out here. There's no other deer with it laying down, hanging out. So I went down to the store yesterday. I bought some, bought some deer feed. But it's one of those moments, right? It's like, you know, here's this fawn that shows up, you know, innocence, purity. You know, life is really a trip when you get down into it. So I don't have any uh, answer for how I was experiencing Pat's symptoms at the same time he was. I was having the same experience. Strange, really strange. I'm, so I'm still kind of working with that. And I don't want to make this about me. But I kind of have to because it's like, it's just so weird, right? So weird that this thing um, happened in that way. Anyway, what does it all mean for you, right? Well, are you ready to die? That, and I talked about this with the DeMar Hamlin stuff. And I said, the reason why it's such a big deal is because most people we live in a society and a culture that's completely unresolved around death. And yet we are surrounded by death, right? We're surrounded by death as a cult. 
we're surrounded by youth, right? The sort of the eternalization of youth and anything outside of a certain age range is, is, is pure Thanos, right? Like, like look at Madonna and what she's done to theoretically continue to look like she's young. She's grotesque. She's completely grotesque. She's, you know, disfigured because she is part of this death cult. And she's afraid, she's deathly afraid to age out. Who knows? Maybe it's part of her contract. Maybe she's got to do this shit. I don't know. But if I were Madonna at a certain age, I would have just tapped out and said, I'm going to start a restaurant. I'm just going to start a restaurant and I'll, you know, I'll leave the game to, you know, the younger girls, you know, life's been good on this part. Let me go feed people. Right. But I don't, I mean, besides her uh, completely egocentric Leo son, I don't know what is driving her. Maybe it's some kind of contract or agreement, but we live in a culture that's just upset. We're, 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 we're obsessed with death, but we're not reconciled with it. You know, that is the great paradox of living in the United States. Just look around, there's death everywhere. You know, everything comes back to, you know, this celebration of the death cult. What did um, Thomas Merton had a great quote on death? Let me see if I can find it. Let's see if I can find it. So he has a prayer for death, but he has another um, quote on death. Let's see if I can find it. The, the uh, death prayer is. Um, a good one, and maybe I'll read that. Let me see if I can find it. Burton's got some um, interesting quotes around death. The man who lives in division is living in death. He cannot find himself because he is lost. He has ceased to be a reality. The person he believes himself to be is a bad dream. Death is someone you see very clearly with eyes in the center of your heart. Eyes that see not by reacting to light, but by reacting to a kind of chill from within the marrow of your own life. Some men turn away from all this cheap emotion with a kind of heroic despair, but this too can be an error. 
for if our emotions really die in the heart, our humanity dies with them. That's kind of the black pill adage in a lot of ways. Um, there's another great Merton quote. A life is either all spiritual or not spiritual at all. No man can serve two masters. Your life is shaped by the end you live for. You are made in the image of what you desire. That is a really, really great quote. Here's another Merton quote. The spiritual life is, first of all, a life. It is not merely something to be known and studied. It is to be lived. So he's all in. Merton was an interesting character. He's got a quote on the culture of death. Here's another one. My life is a mystery, which I do not attempt to really understand as though I were led by the hand in a night where I see nothing, but can fully depend on the love and protection of him who guides me. Life is this simple. We are living in a world that is absolutely transparent and the divine is shining through it all the time. This is not just a nice story or fable. It is true. Here's one more. The solution of the problem of life is life itself. Life is not attained by reasoning and analysis, but first of all by living. For until we have begun to live, our prudence has no material to work on. And until we have begun to fall, we have no way of working out our success. And this is from a guy that lived in a monastery, but had very strong uh, leanings uh, to the uh, secular secular life, or at least the interface of the secular life. Very interesting character. Here's another one. A purely mental life may be destructive if it leads us to substitute thought for life and ideas for actions. The activity proper to man is purely mental because man is not just a disembodied mind. Our destiny is to live out what we think, because unless we live what we know, we do not even know it. It is only by making our knowledge part of ourselves through action that we enter into reality that is signified by our concepts. Pretty interesting. So where do we go? What do we do? How do we, how do we deal? I don't want to jump into a bunch of news today and, and uh, talk about the Chinese spy balloon and all that shit. Although I might do that tomorrow, but um, 
you know, first of all, where are you, right? Where are you with your life? Are you ready to go? In a fundamental sense, are you ready to go? Clearly, I'll be honest, when I had that reality check on Sunday, the answer was no. I'm not, I'm not ashamed to admit that. The answer was no. So now it's incumbent upon me to act on that. So I have some things that I need to, to deal with, right? Like, no, there are things I want to do before, you know, and, and, and we just think that there's always going to be a tomorrow or next week or next month. We put things off. Oh, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. And then guess what? You never get to it. So perhaps this is one of the gifts Pat gives us is to not put things off. If you need to do something that's important to you, then, then it'd be incumbent to work on those things. And Pat is not the first person we've lost. You know, we had Judy, the first person you know, dear Judy was, you know, she, she was older. She was really physically challenged. She came to the first event and boy, she had her little oxygen box. She hauled around with her and, you know, she was heroic and I'm so glad that she came. Um, and then she tried to come the following year and she just didn't make it. You know, I had a phone call with her a few days before she passed away and and I knew she was having problems. Uh, it was hard. And then we lost uh, Miriam. And that was, that was shocking. Uh, you know, Miriam was somebody who, big personality, huge personality. Oh, my God. She could sing. She could cook. She was something else. And, you know, we found out after after the fact that she had cancer and she passed away. So, you know, we've lost some people along the way. And, you know, unfortunately, Pat is now part of that um, story. And the other part is, you know, are you ready? Right? The metaphysical part of, of passing, are you ready to go? That's a big piece. And uh, I think that's the takeaway. You know, if there's a gift for any of it, that's the takeaway. And um, we all have our own responsibility for that. Can you pass in peace? Knowing that you've accomplished what you came here to do. That there's nothing left. You know, there's no tread on the tire, right? You get all the mileage out of this you can. And while doing so, you have made an ally of the great mystery that awaits every single one of us on the other side. You get to that point, you will be in a place that much of humanity uh, never approaches. Never approaches. You get to that place and you are conscious of who you've been, what you've done, and wherever you're going, you know, you're, you're pushing off to the far shore.
and you're reconciled, resolved, perhaps in some instances will even rejoice. So I think that's the takeaway. That's the lesson. Um, let me see what I have here. So um, Lisa sent me a picture of Pat. And um, I'll do I'll do something tomorrow. I can't really find it right now. Um, I'll do a little uh, send-off tribute for uh, Pat tomorrow at the end of the show with a particular song that, that uh, I have in my head. And I'll I'll put it together with the image so that the image and the song play together. I just haven't had a time to work on it. We'll do that tomorrow, um, and we'll 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 begin to explore, you know, some of the other bullshit um, that is on the table as we navigate through these very turgid times with great spiritual opportunity. You know, these are great spiritual opportunities that are in front of us, uh, both in this realm and others. So uh, I want to thank you for being here. I don't want to string out today's show for too much longer. I just wanted to share with you, you know, Pat's passing and my experience and then the entirety of the, of what it, what it means for us ultimately for me. And, you know, I'm speaking for me. And maybe it means something similar to you. And uh, to Lisa, you know, we send you all of our love and uh, prayers and, uh, you know, that uh, you are, you know, cradled by love itself uh, during this time. And um, I'll keep you guys posted if we do go into the uh, give fun go side of things. We'll, we'll, I'll stay in touch with Lisa and, um, I don't know if she's going to do any like online memorial for Pat or anything like that, but if so, I'll let you guys know. All right. Okay. Thanks for being here. Um, use your head in order to discern what's real, your heart to say what's possible. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow at 9, 11 AM central standard time. Uh, in the meantime, take good care. and Bye for now.